Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's introductory teaching for our series in the book of Matthew called The Gospel of the Kingdom. Jesus tells a parable in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Flip ahead just for a second for one other example of a parable. Matthew 25, 1. He says these words, Then the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, Matthew 25, 1, will be comparable. That's a good example of a parable. It'll be comparable. In fact, parables actually in the word. The kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, you know the rest of the parable. Five were wise, five were foolish, five had oil, five did not, five were prepared, five were not, and half of them got in and half of them did not. Why? They weren't ready for the king and the kingdom. And so this is the way it works as we study our Bibles and we look at this topic called the kingdom of God. And as I mentioned in the verses I just gave you, we're to pray it, we're to pursue it, and we're to preach it. Now it would be good if this is that important in the Bible that we would know what the kingdom of God or heaven is. Amen? (laughs) How do we define what it is? Some believe it is making it to heaven after one dies. I don't think that that's the kingdom. Others believe it points to Christ's millennial kingdom. I think that both of those have a place, but it's not the full definition. It seems strange that John and Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven is at hand or that Jesus would instruct his disciples to preach the kingdom if the kingdom is only about going to heaven sometime in the future, 2,000 years removed from the preaching as we read it, or if it's even about a future millennial reign of Christ. So what is the kingdom of God? In Luke 17, when Jesus was doing miracles and preaching, he said to the religious leadership, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Earlier version says, it's within you. That's Luke 17, I think it's verse 21. And so some of the ancient commentators thought, well, that's what the kingdom means. It's, with, it's inside of you. So it's about having heaven's priorities in your soul or in your heart. That's part of the definition, but that's not all of it. Because the kingdom of God was in their midst, but it wasn't within the ones that Jesus was talking about. They rejected him. It is good to have your heart shaped by kingdom priorities, but that's not the full definition either. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is about the king's lordship. Steve Gregg comments, this is a very important section. He's written a book called The Empire of the Risen Sun about the kingdom of God. Steve Gregg, I'm quoting, there is a movement at the time of this writing which emphasizes the need for the Christian to manifest the kingdom of God in the present time through the performing of miraculous signs and wonders. This teaching is associated with the New Apostolic Reformation, NAR for short, movement, which emerged in the late 20th century and is currently attracting enormous numbers, especially of young believers. The main leader of this movement is Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California, and he stated his view in this way. 
Kingdom culture, quoting Bill Johnson, is how heaven functions. And when we pray this prayer on earth as it is in heaven, it's not just a prayer about eternity. It's actually a prayer for right now. It's God's intention right now to influence my circles of influence with a manifestation of his presence in such a way that mirrors heaven. So far, so good. That means there's no cancer there. There's not to be cancer here. So we pray for someone to be healed. When we pray for someone to be healed, we do it based on the example given us in that prayer. There's no disease there. There's not to be any here. Now, we should note, and I, and I say this with sadness in my heart, that Bill Johnson's wife died of cancer in July of this year. And I say that because it's a very important lesson. Let me walk it out. The lesson is this. Uh, extreme segments of the word faith movement and now the new apostolic reformation are teaching that when the kingdom comes... It's a guarantee of miraculous healing. Now, when Jesus was preaching in the Galilee region, he definitely healed a lot of people, and that got people's attention. Let me take you back to a scene in your mind. We don't have to turn there. John chapter 5, Jesus approaches the pool of Bethesda. He heals a man that's been laying there for many decades. Many people were sick around that pool. They have been lying there for a long time, waiting for the stirring of the water. You guys remember the text? But Jesus' focus was only on the one man. He did not heal everybody at the pool, nor did Jesus heal everybody he passed by or everybody he encountered. Jesus' healings were strategic and kingdom-directed. Yes, he did heal for compassion purposes as well, but my greater point is this. NAR, word faith teachers say healing is guaranteed in the atonement. And the fact is that our ultimate healing won't come until the resurrection and the rapture. Amen? At the second coming of Jesus Christ, that's when death will die. So you might say, well, then how do we make sense of this type of theology, which is extremely popular? It's categorized this way, and I'm going to give you a a big phrase, but I think some of you have heard this before. It's categorized in a two-word phrase called over-realized eschatology. Let me give you a definition. Over-realized eschatology means that some people are preaching as if we have entered into the future reign of Christ when death and disease and everything has died in the resurrection, but we haven't. And I think... It's very clear to everyone sitting in this room that we haven't yet achieved that place. And while people will preach it and say, basically, if you just have the right MO, they'll even say, don't pray that God's will be done. It's always his will to heal. But then when someone is sick with cancer or dies, we've even heard stories of word faith teachers. And I'm just saying this because I think it's important for you to understand. I'm not trying to bag on people. I think a lot of these people are probably sincere. But we've had word faith teachers in pulpits saying uh, healing is guaranteed right now. And they're hiding the fact that their wife is in the hospital with cancer, sick and fighting for her life. They can't tell the church that can't get the church to pray for her because then they would, they would be admitting that their theology is wrong. 
And half the time, the guys are standing at the pulpit wearing eyeglasses and toupees, which makes me ask the question, physician, heal thyself. If your theology is right, why are you standing up here with all the same issues? Look, I I remember years ago, uh, some older saints that have now gone to be with the Lord used to wear t-shirts, one in particular I can think of, uh, growing old is not for wimps. Have you seen that before? I am now realizing how true that t-shirt is. I wake up with aches and pains, and then I think, what did I do? I didn't even do anything. And my knees hurt, and my back is sore, and I'm like, oh, Lord. Yeah, anyway. Now listen to this quote as Steve Gregg continues. He says, look, there." What these folks fail to realize is what many theologians refer to as an already not yet nature of the kingdom. Let me explain. We already have the promise. We already have the spirit guaranteeing our future, but we've not yet realized all the implications of what Jesus did for us. We will in the resurrection. Our salvation is already, we have it, but not yet. The fullness of it is not yet fully realized. That's why over-realized eschatology is false. It puts people in a millennial reign or a future world without disease and death when we haven't realized it yet. He continues, to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven does not mean may there be Uh, In this present world, no cancer, no death, no marriage, no succession of day and night, no sea, no predatory animals, no unanswered questions, etc. Just as these do not exist in heaven. In heaven, there is no devil and there are no temptations. Yet these will remain in this world until Christ returns. In the present age, we are being tested and trained for the final eschatological state. In this reigning and testing phase, sickness, pain, temptation, sorrow, and many other unpleasant things, which will no longer exist when Jesus returns, play an important role. In this present age, such trials function as instruments of our testing, maturing, and training. I would even say to you, our longing for heaven. Now that's the end of the quote, but can you see how important this is? to understand in your theology. The Apostle Paul, who did heal people when he prayed for them, or God healed them through the Apostle Paul, he left people sick in certain cities. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. He prayed three times, take it away, take it away, take it away. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, and I'm not taking it away. Many of you, I can look at your faces and know that you've prayed, take it away over something in your life probably more than three times. Take it away. Take it away. And you might wonder, what's going on? Did I pray wrong? Do I not have enough faith? And let me just say to you, I think we should always pray. We should always trust the Lord. But when you have your theology wrong, then here's what usually the faith teachers say or people from this movement say, well, you lacked faith. That's why it didn't work. But that's just simply false. So many years ago, I was at a church in Orange and we had a very precious sister in Christ who had um, some genetic issues with her knees. She'd probably had about five or six knee surgeries. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. In this present age, such trials function as instruments of our testing, maturing, and training, and I would even say to you, our longing for heaven. Now that's the end of the quote, but can you see how important this is to understand in your theology? The Apostle Paul, who did heal people when he prayed for them, or God healed them through the Apostle Paul, he left people sick in certain cities. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. He prayed three times, take it away, take it away, take it away. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, and I'm not taking it away. Many of you, I can look at your faces and know that you've prayed, take it away over something in your life probably more than three times. Take it away, take it away. And you might wonder, what's going on? Did I pray wrong? Do I not have enough faith? And let me just say to you, I think we should always pray. We should always trust the Lord. But when you have your theology wrong, then here's what usually the faith teachers say or people from this movement say, well, you lacked faith. That's why it didn't work. But that's just simply false. So many years ago, I was at a church in Orange and we had a very precious sister in Christ who had um, some genetic issues with her knees. She had probably had about five or six knee surgeries. And so uh, a woman who had embraced some of this theology came up to this lady. She was the wife of one of our elders and said to her, you know, you'd be healed if you just had enough faith and you wouldn't have to go through all these knee surgeries and stuff. So we ended up meeting with this woman who told our sister this and we confronted her and we said, you know, we don't think that's what the Bible teaches and that's false and it lacks compassion. And we think it really lacks an understanding of what the Bible teaches. And you know what the lady did? She said, we weren't spiritual enough to understand and she left the church. But she really hurt this woman by embracing a theology that's just simply not biblical. I mean, 11 of the 12 apostles die martyrs' deaths. Many of the most committed righteous saints, I think of Spurgeon, who died in his 50s, had all kinds of uh, issues with kidneys and I think his liver. You get the point. We, we don't have the guarantee that nothing's going to go wrong here. And I think we're all living examples of it. But we have hope that our king has conquered death. And our king has risen from the dead. And one day, all of that will be behind us when we realize the fullness of our redemption. But not until then. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. So we pray the kingdom. We 
pursue the kingdom. We preach the kingdom. The kingdom defines our priorities. And we're trying to invite as many people as we can into the kingdom. We have a great commission. We have the parable of the sower. We have Jesus telling us about the principles of the kingdom all throughout his ministry. And so right now, we're, you could say we're doing some kingdom preparation. We're trying to invite as many people as we can into the kingdom. Let me show you, if you're still at Matthew 25, uh, take a look at verse 34. Actually, we'll go back to verse 31. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, Matthew 25, 31, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations, Matthew 25, 32, will be gathered before him. And he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared from the fa- for you from the foundation of the world. Praise God. He always had it in mind. The, here's the king and the kingdom. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. The righteous will say to the king, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Let me just say, that the kingdom of God is much bigger than a sinner's prayer and an entry fee paid for you into heaven. As important as that is, the kingdom of God is about your whole life. It's about a new allegiance. It's about what you actually live for. It's about you on a Monday morning saying, Lord, you are my king and I serve your kingdom. Therefore, give me marching orders today. Lead me to someone who needs to hear about your kingdom. Help me give my resources to kingdom work, my uh, treasure, my time, my talents, my gifting to the king and the kingdom. It is not just simply a sinner's prayer. I said at a camp when I was 12, so I'm good. Or maybe when I get older and I sow my wild oats, then I'll think about getting right with God. That's not the kingdom. And I will say this to you. It's hard to live for the kingdom because we have kingdoms in conflict. In Matthew 4, we'll watch the king of this world, the God with a small g of this world, clash with the king who came, Matthew 4. And he'll say, all the kingdoms of the world, I'll give them to you. Just bow down and worship me. And our king will say, "Uh uh-uh. Because we only worship God alone. Kingdoms in conflict, light and darkness. So a definition. The kingdom of God has been defined as God's rule over God's people in God's place. And I think that's good. Let me give you my P's one more time because I think it'll help you. We're to pray it, pursue it, 
preach it, have its priorities for, and let it define our purpose because it is our destiny. One more time, we're to pray it, pursue it, preach it, let it define our priorities and know that it's our purpose and our destiny. This is what it means to call Jesus Lord or King. As our benediction, we're going to uh, turn to Matthew 28. I'm going to read the Great Commission to you. The worship team is going to play one more song for us. I want you to see this in light of Jesus's uh, kingship and kingdom. Matthew 28, the last verses of the Gospel of Matthew read this way. Jesus, and this is after the resurrection, came up and spoke to them. And he said, nobody talks like this, folks, unless they've completely lost it. And Jesus wasn't crazy, we know, right? He is the embodiment of truth, love, wisdom, everything we can talk about. Notice what he says. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I have all authority. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them. This is kind of a picture of the entrance into the kingdom, baptism. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all that the King has commanded. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Look at his authority. Look at the authority of our King. All of heaven, all of earth, all the nations, all that I commanded, and I'll be with you for all time. That is our King. And that is the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. You've been listening to the gospel of the kingdom, part three on walk in truth. That's Pastor Michael's introductory teaching for the book of Matthew. If you missed any part of today's program, walk in truth is on Apple podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. You know, the kingdom of God has been really a subject that's been... Boy, I, I've been thinking about it. I've been meditating on it. I've been reading about it. It's something that after being a Christian for, oh goodness, uh, I am going on 30-something years. I I became a Christian in the late 80s, so you could do the math, uh, whatever that equals to. I think I'm getting close to 35, 36 years as a believer. It's amazing. You know, I I think about the time that's gone by, but I will tell you this, that Thanks be to the Lord that I grew up with some foundation uh, knowing about God. And then in my early 20s, the Lord graciously allowed me to hear the gospel through an invitation of a family member. And my wife and I walked down the aisle together. We heard the gospel. We responded. We got baptized. We got married. And uh, I tell you, it's been a, an amazing journey. In some ways, it seems like it's been the blink of an eye to be at this point. And in other ways, there's so much behind us, but it's been all good. And I'll, I'll just say this. I bring it up because the kingdom of God is not something that I heard a whole lot about. I kind of heard 
snapshots of it in the last, I don't know, whatever it's been, 35 years. I heard some about it in a class I took many years ago, but I really didn't understand it. And frankly, I'm still trying to understand the fullness of it. But the kingdom of God is God's rule over God's people wherever God's people may be. That's the bottom line. But exploring the nuances of it and the beauty of it and what it means to my everyday life is still a work in progress. So I want to encourage you, stay with us as we go through the Gospel of Matthew. I think you're going to find a lot of growth in your own walk with the Lord. Our next 633 event is called The Deconstruction of Christianity with very special guest speaker, Tim Barnett. Tim is an apologist with Stand to Reason. He does a great job moving across the country, U.S. and Canada, speaking to thousands each year. He's great with younger audiences like high school and young adults, but really for all ages. This is a hot topic right now in the church and in the culture, deconstructing Christianity. And Tim is going to give us clarity on the topic. It's happening October 22nd at both our morning services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. It's right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. To get information and driving directions, go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Bring out a, a group. Bring out some teens from your youth group, young adults. It's going to be a very important morning. Walkintruth.com. We'll see you here. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 1, 1 through 17, called The Gracious Credentials of the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.